Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Stephen, I've been playing a new video game. Yeah, I kind of know what it is, but tell me more. Yeah, so I last week I took a chance on a game, or I guess the past couple of weeks, and it was Xenoblade Chronicles 2, a JRPG for the Nintendo Switch. It was kind of part of me just like branching out, trying things that I haven't tried before. So this time, this week, I impulse bought a game uh, based on one tweet I saw about a wonderful photo mode. And the game is called... <laughs> The game is called Judgment, uh, and it's a spinoff of the Yakuza games. Have you played any of them? So I know of the series pretty well, or actually, no, I I know of the series. That's it. I've played Yakuza 0, also kind of oh. bought it on a whim. Yeah. I got it used on a friend's recommendation. I did not get very far at all. I feel like I wasn't in the right headspace to play a game like that. But from what I know of them, they're very kind of visual novel-y meets like like Double Dragon, Street Brawler, RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like RPG mechanics of like leveling up your character. The combat is, uh, you know what? The really, uh, the really close parallel are the Shenmue games for the Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. If you ever played those. Now I played Shenmue, pal. Uh, ask me anything about Shenmue and all. Wow, I'll are you excited you. about Shenmue 3? No, I don't think, <laughs> I think it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not not excited, but I just, I played Shenmue 1 and that game is like so revolutionary for the time it came out. Yeah. But like, it is not really held up. And I think like, Yakuza feels like the spiritual successor to Shenmue in in the way that it's like a very story centric game that has like brawling and fighting as like the central like gameplay mechanic. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to describe. I think you'll probably do a better job when you talk about Judgment. The one part of Yakuza Zero I really enjoyed was the karaoke <laughs> mini games because the main character is like this very intense looking dude who like does yeah. not smile, and seeing him like get really into karaoke was all I really needed. But yeah, I don't know. I struggled with the like. I know it's like literally about the Yakuza, and like I have a lot of friends who like adore this series, so I I want to give it a shot eventually. But I just I struggled with the like. I just struggled with like really identifying or caring about like the struggles within the yakuza organization Mm -hmm. like at all yeah um i kind of found a lot of elements of it off-putting so i just sort of bounced yeah not even from like a godfathery standpoint where it's like you're very much on the outset looking (sighs) in i get i get not relating to the characters but like yeah interest level i mean i haven't played these games i'm just curious there there were some interesting things going on i think the the main character who doesn't smile uh was kind of interesting (laughs) in the sense that like he is actually so in the beginning it's like I, I forgot their names I'm sorry but it was a while ago he and this other character are both like pretty new to the Yakuza life and the main character is like very much against the sort of superficial or like the showy elements of it so like he wears he wears a very modest suit mm. he does not engage in like any kind of vice or any kind of like luxury whereas his friend is like all about wearing nice clothes and like socializing and like loves that part of it so i guess the question is like well what is he in this for then if he's like so against the sort of like this like 
projected fantasy of what it could be like. So that was kind of interesting, but like I didn't really get that while playing it. That was just sort of that's sort of me like looking for stuff to think about. I'm sure it does get more interesting though, because like anyone who likes the series always points to the story as like the selling point and the characters. Yeah, right. Um so I very much just didn't give it enough time. But that's where mm-hmm. I'm at with the series. So how do you like judgment? Yeah. Uh so just quickly with with the Yakuza series as a whole, I did not even know existed until I think I think when Yakuza 0 came out and like a bunch of people on my Twitter timeline were all playing it and I was like, what is this? And then I looked it up. It turns out there have been like a million of these games and people love them and have been playing them for years and years. I had never even heard of the series until then and was kind of interested in it, but like didn't really feel super compelled to pick it up. And then Judgment came out and Judgment is instead of playing as a member of the Yakuza, you're playing as just a detective in the same city, like in the same city that all the Yakuza games take place in. You're just playing as like kind of a detective for hire uh, who is working for like a bunch of law firms essentially to just like collect evidence. And sometimes that will weave you into like Yakuza storylines as with the first case that I'm working on right now and other times it'll be like there's a serial murder case that's happening and like you need to figure out anything about this to help the police down to like really like kind of low-key like I'm just taking pictures of somebody cheating on somebody else you know just to like just classic like private eye shit uh just to like make a buck you know like just to like make some money uh so you can afford to like go do karaoke or something (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. But uh, that was kind of more interesting to me, the idea of playing as a detective in this city that's known for having a shitload of, like, organized crime happening in it instead of, like, taking part in the organized crime. Like, that that was kind of a more compelling idea to me. Um, So I I picked the game up kind of on a whim, um, just kind of, like, curious about the vibe of it, having never played any of these games. And I don't even know how far in I'm in, maybe, like, five to ten hours. I'm, like, in the first case still. It might, it might be less than 10 hours, but I'm in the first case and I am like completely smitten by this game. I oh, love cool. Judgment. I am so into it in a way that I absolutely was not expecting to be. Like I thought I'd have like a good time. I didn't think I'd be like really fucking invested in it in the way I am. Um, yeah, they're still that's like, awesome. I'm still in the place where they're like unraveling new mechanics. Like I just put on a disguise for the first time and like infiltrated like a Yakuza base and was just like doing some like fact finding shit while I was inside uh, a Yakuza base. But like outside of that, I mean, the the game is just like so rich and so detailed in a a really surprising way. Uh, It's worth noting that the main character of this game is like an extreme is played by an extremely famous uh, Japanese actor. Apparently Uh, his name is Takuya Kimura. I, I had never heard of him. I've seen him described online as like a Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise level star in Japan. Uh, I've also seen him described as just you can't compare him to other people. He's just the Takuya Kimura. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, Um, you don't want to. Yeah, exactly. So like just... Point being, he's good at his job. So <laughs> I've been playing this game with Japanese dialogue on English subtitles because they they have dubbed the game. Like you could play the game dubbed. Um, and like he's really fucking good. To give you like a, a quick overview of the story, this is just set up. This is not spoiling anything. This is just like how the game starts. Is is you are playing as this character. His name is Yagami, and he works in a law firm. He's like kind of new. One of his first cases, he was able to uh, get an acquittal in in a place where like acquittals are almost like pretty much impossible it's like i think it's like 99.8 percent of all cases in this district are, are not acquittals or are um i forget what the fucking term for it is 
it's a law term, but whatever. Point being, there's like almost a 0% chance that you're going to get an acquittal ever. And this dude gets this guy, uh, Yagami gets this guy off for a murder charge and he's released back into the world. And like literally a day later, he he murders his girlfriend and lights his house on fire. And he's like, oh my God. well, shit, my whole my whole life is over. Like I was going to be a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, had cases coming in left and right because, you know, I was the one person who could get an acquittal in this <clears> district. And now it turns out I got a serial murderer off completely scot-free so he could go murder or someone else. So he's like, I, I cannot be a lawyer. Like, I, I have no way of judging right from wrong. I don't know who's good or bad. Like, I, I can't do this. Uh, so he leaves the law firm and starts his own detective agency where he's like, I am not the person who has to defend people. I'm just finding facts. I'm just mm. like... I'm being, I'm completely objectively just like seeing what's right and what's wrong without like letting any of my subjective ideology into it. And it's like really a way of him just putting up a wall between himself and, and like really heinous shit that's happening around him, which is really fascinating. And, and over the course of at least what I've played so far, like you keep running into a bunch of Yakuza people, like high, high ranking Yakuza members and like different families. And they all treat him like an old friend. They're all like so stoked to see him. I think because he's like so detached from right from wrong at this point that he has just become like a friend of everyone, like police, law firms, Yakuza, like they're all happy to see him because if you go to him, he will do his job. Uh, yeah. And like that's pretty true much neutral it. in that way. Yeah. yeah he, he is trying to be true neutral to escape like, this one time he fucked up really bad uh, or he right. thinks he fucked up really bad. I mean, his job was to defend his client and he did that, you know, like that's right. just the way the legal system works. And like whether that's right or wrong is kind of like outside of him. You know what I mean? Like he was just doing his job. So that's the setup for the game. And they've been exploring it in a really wonderful way uh, so far where, you know, there are some cases that come up and he's just like, look, I am finding the facts about like, did you murder this person or not? And if I find out that you did, like, that's it for you. You know, like, like you're asking me to investigate this murder to try and get you off the hook. But if you did it, like, I'm just going to report that. Like, that's how this works. Yeah. You know, so like it, it, it's just a it's a very interesting dynamic, I think, between him and his clientele, uh, especially in this city that I'm I'm really fascinated by. And the top layer of all of that is kind of what you said. Like, this is more visual novel than anything else. I think uh, this game is like mostly cut scenes. It's mostly dialogue. Yeah. There are a lot of moments where you get to run around the city and kind of like do whatever you want like you are you know being pointed to different objectives but you could just break off and like go shop in a store or like go to there's like a vr cafe that you can like go like play weird mini games in there's a lot of like drone shit like you're using a lot of drones to spy on people and take pictures of them in in weird places so you could like go drone racing and stuff like there are all those like mini games and side things that you can do there are friends that you can make there's like collectibles all over the place the the city is so well realized and i understand from seeing other people talk about this game that a lot of that comes from the fact that it is pretty much just the city from Yakuza 0 being mm. reused for this new story which I've seen some people who are longtime fans of the franchise being like that's too much for me like I've been in this city a lot I think I'm done with it I don't want to revisit it and I super understand that if you've played like eight to nine of these games in a row um, <laughs> right. I played none of them so this is this is I'm coming into the city completely fresh and it is like so impressive to just walk around this place and see how lived in it is it's almost that dream to me of like you have I just remember like when the PS4 came out it was like wow this like just this generation in general PS4 Xbox one it was just like wow the detail in all these environments is so rich and you're just kind of like sprinting through them but I was always more interested in seeing more 
more detail, like more like more little stuff happening in in a confined space instead of like just this world is gigantic and and beautiful. So a lot of this game kind of looks like a PS3 game, if I'm being honest. But there's so many little details all over the place that it that is what makes it feel next gen to me. Uh, like mm. the fact that I could be standing inside of an office and everything outside of that office is still rendered and like fully fleshed out. Like I could look out the window and see cars driving by and like see people walking around like doing their normal shit or like drinking at a bar or like eating at a cafe or something like from the window that I'm in and then go down the stairs and leave and enter the open world and like go sit down in that cafe with those people that I just saw from inside. Like that's such a little detail that really makes this world feel alive at all times. Yeah. There are load screens every once in a while, but I think they're mainly just to to render sometimes like indoor environments or like preload cutscenes for things in places. It's not like it's not like the the game is is stopping to load the world really at any point because you're always yeah. in it. You're never leaving it. And for that's me, so cool. at least, like that's been one of the most impressive things is just like at any point I could just hang out in this city and do whatever I want. Like I, I could be investigating this thing, but I could also just like sit down and like eat some rice at a at a fucking cafe somewhere, like talk to the guy who made it, you know, just about like yeah. the secret ingredients he uses in his rice. Like that kind of stuff I think is really, really cool. So from that aspect, I'm like, really 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 enjoying this game but like the the overarching thing is really the story and the characterization of all of these people that's really pulling me through so like you've run this detective agency uh you have a i guess he's a friend he's more like an associate who works with you he's like the only other guy that works in the detective agency with you his name is kaito and he used to be in the yakuza but has been kicked out since oh for wow, okay. reasons that i'm sure we will learn eventually yeah <laughs> But it's so funny. Like, So first of all, he's just like this big burly guy who's like extremely intimidating and like very clearly always down for a fight, but simultaneously <laughs> loves flying the drone. And like anytime you need to do anything that is like even remotely um, in investigative at all, he's just like, oh, let's use the drone. And Yagami's like, dude, we don't use the drone for every, like we can't always use the drone. <laughs> like it's, you're not That's even that good funny. at flying the drone. Like you, you just, you got to practice before we use the drone for everything, which is great. Great. But then you'll go like talk to a member of any Yakuza family and they'll be like, how's Kaito? Like, oh, you know, he's doing fine. It's like, yeah, really sucks. That we had to kick him out. You know, it's like even they're bummed out that Kaito's not around. But like he mm. did something that was like so bad they needed to get rid of him. Wow. But they're still happy with you and they're happy that he's with you for some reason. So like just exploring that relationship is really awesome. I'm spending a lot of time in the old law firm that Yagami used to work at uh, and and quit because of the, the whole serial murder thing. And people bring it up constantly constantly like people are constantly just like yeah you let that guy off and like because of that there's a person who's dead and it's on your hands and like they're constantly reminding him of the time that he fucked up um, <sighs> And it's like, it's really intense. It's really intense. And you can tell that he like is not coping with it at all. Like he's yeah. not, he's not it's good interesting. at dealing with it. It's interesting that he and Kaito are both kind of pick, kicked out of their respective or have both left their respective prior organizations. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's really interesting. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I'm really happy you're enjoying it. And it sounds like uh, for me, I feel like this came out recently, right? Like in June, late June. I think. Yeah. It might've been like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. I feel like I may check this game out before getting giving Yakuza 0 another chance because I am more drawn to like being on the outside of the world versus being in 
minutes. Yeah. And like, and, and I think even when you're, this is just a hunch based on very little of what I played Yakuza 0, but I feel like even when you play those games, like as part of it, there are characters who also grapple with like that idea. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And like exploring what it means. I mean, I think that's only part of the course for those kind of stories like The Godfather or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you have characters who are like purposely trying to, you have the Michael Corleones who are trying to avoid being part of this and their parent and their father literally not wanting them to and then they become the next godfather uh, godfather spoiler alert um, <laughs> but that sounds yeah. really great uh, i'm happy you're enjoying it and it sounds like you're enjoying it for reasons that not that you definitely value the story in games but i feel like what usually keeps you going is the like the mechanics yeah um, very broadly speaking so but it sounds like what's interesting is that this game is using the story even even in the downtime where you can like explore the town that's still aiding the idea of this character being like kind of peripherally involved in all that's going on around him yeah exactly uh yeah you're just you're just building relationships with people around you and like there is the classic from what i understand the classic yakuza shit where like you're running around the town and like people will just pick fights with you because like you're in a rough area like it's known for just having a lot of people who like get drunk and want to brawl in the street so like you'll be walking from one place to another and like three dudes will just appear out of an alleyway and be like we're just gonna fuck you up and it's like well no you're not because i have two different fighting styles that I can switch between and I can <laughs> I can pick up a bicycle and like smack you over the head with it uh yeah which is great you know it's all really goofy and fun there is a good sense of humor with like there's a weird sense of detachment in the brawls oddly enough yeah like, it's hilarious like in yakuza zero like there are two like drunk guys outside the bar and they pick a fight and like you know the main characters is very intense and it's like you picked a fight with like, the wrong guy yes. <laughs> but his friend who's a bit shyer is like hey, hey hey like you really don't want to do this yeah <laughs> like, this is gonna be like but they basically like the brawl begins and it's like your mission is to sober them up by fighting so that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh thanks like, thank you for doing that i feel much better it's like, that's what? really like, funny yeah so i like that idea there's also a guy you meet who's i forgot his name but he's basically like you he's like i saw you fighting you're pretty good but you really need to spend more money on yourself and then the main mm. character says like i don't want to buy nice clothes like i'm against that and he's like no, no no no, i don't mean clothes i mean literally on yourself and then it shows you like how you level up skills through using money that's awesome so it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i liked all that i should give another shot and i I think I will probably eventually pick up Judgment because it sounds really cool and it sounds like it has everything that I was enjoying but without as much of the stuff that I kind of pushed back against. Yeah, I mean, there is like a lot of morally gray stuff happening in this game. Sure. I don't, I don't want to yeah. make it seem like you're completely removed from it because like one of the first one of the first fights that you get in uh, similar to the Yakuza Zero one that you just mentioned is like you are going and buying a gift for uh, the guy who runs a law firm that you used to work at uh, so you can go like try and bribe him essentially to give you a case and you're just you're the idea is you're just gonna walk in and ask for like anything because you just need money you need to get distracted from the shit that's going on around you so you go in and you pick up this like limited edition set of something uh, and as you walk out these three dudes are like hey we came to get that we came to get that last thing that limited edition dessert from this like essentially 7-eleven and we're gonna beat the shit out of you to take it from you and you're like no no you're not and then you because i have like, two fighting tiles i can switch between <laughs> yeah exa- exactly exactly <laughs> Um, I could be either Tiger or Crane, so I'm going to fuck you up. And you don't then... understand. I'm the protagonist of this story. You're not going to win this <laughs> Can you fight. not tell from my leather jacket and chain attached <laughs> to my smartphone? <laughs> yeah. 
So you, you obviously just like beat the shit out of them. But right after that, a like pretty much like the father, like the guy who runs one of the Yakuza families in the in the city comes up and like, again, treats you like an old friend. He's like, oh, yeah, it's been a while. You know, has Kaito like what's going on? And he's like, so I, I notice, you know, these guys wanted to wanted to beat you up. And I just I can't let that happen. You know, it's like an honor thing. So like he goes and like six his guys on them, essentially, like just because they picked a fight with you. He's like, I got your back, which wow. is which like really really kind of I think foreshadows or is indicating some like you know broader thing that's going on with your involvement there because you've never been a Yakuza member but there's clearly like something happening where like all of these Yakuza families like respect you pretty hardcore for some reason yeah so I mean that stuff is like ooh, kind of makes your skin crawl a little bit I um, love that the but game I'm intrigued by ju- it yeah I'm, like exactly. I want to see where it goes and I think the game being called judgment I think just kind of hammers that point home absolutely of like, yeah it is this is a character who is trying to render them based on what you're saying they're trying to render themselves like completely void of responsibility in a way mm-hmm. they they want to exist through this city and not take responsibility for any action but like it's almost like their inaction is what's causing shit to go south yeah like them not really choosing a side and not not really like it's like sort of the the evil in neutrality in a way mm-hmm. maybe not evil but sort of like the dangers of neutrality right and it's also ba- it's not really clear based on what you're saying like who is good and bad either i don't think it's as simple as like the law firm is good and the yakuza are bad right so that's really interesting i think i think that sense of intrigue would definitely pull me in too i'm i'm really happy you're enjoying it yeah, I think you'd like it. I, there's there's some other like stuff going on mechanically that's really great where, you know, you have to like investigate crime scenes and stuff and you're walking around and in a- any time you're in first person like crime scene investigation mode, there's always a cat hidden that you have to find and it gives you extra like bonus points to find the cat. Like that kind of <laughs> shit is like exactly my jam. Like it's so fun. It's so video gamey, you know, it's like it's weird how video gamey this game is, but it also yeah. like I find myself thinking and talking about the story over everything else but like at the same time it is an open world game where I'm like running around like leveling myself up fighting random people in the street like doing EX moves like it's a fighting game it's almost like they use the video game elements of it to break the tension in a way yeah it it does feel that way yeah absolutely which is like yeah between like punching someone to help them so like to help them yeah (laughs) sober up And then having someone say you should spend money on yourself to upgrade your skills. I just like, that's great. Yeah. I keep I keep trying to bump up against the video game part. Like I keep trying to like see if I can kind of break it in a way. But like I did this one fight where I like shattered, like I threw a bike at a guy and then it hit him through a window of a restaurant that you can eat at. It's like one of the places that you can go into. And I just wanted to see like after the fight was over, I wanted to see like, could I just go in and sit down at the restaurant and just eat there after shattering the window? And I walk up and the guy's like, what the fuck did you do? Get out of my store. You know? <laughs> which is like oh great <laughs> can you imagine that scene of this this reporter trying to avoid any responsibility throwing a bike at someone through the window and then like adjusting his tie and going like hi table for one uh, yes like, that's no. exactly what I wanted to do <laughs> But the game said no. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, that does. I'm glad that they like thought about that. I'm glad they I'm glad they thought through that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It does feel to me, though, like so much like what I wanted in like the PS2 era of video games. I'm just thinking about like the Spider-Man 2 game and like, yeah, how how fully fleshed out that city was. But like you couldn't really do anything in the city. Like the only buildings you could go into were like hideouts that existed for like the organized crime sections of, of that city. And they were like few and far between. 
pretty much. And this game is like, you can go into a lot of the buildings and they are like fully fleshed out and they all have like stores and and uh, restaurants and cafes and stuff in them. And you can talk to the people in there and like hang out and sit down. And I don't know, it's, it's really impressive just like from a technical standpoint, even though all of the textures look very PS3-y, you can tell that like all of that processing power went into just like making every single building like its own place, you know? Yeah. And it really feels that way. And, and I am extremely into it. And uh, yeah, I like judgment. the I like the qualifier PS3E. Yeah. I hope yeah, I, it, I, I'm now going to worry like when I go like get dressed up to go out. I'm like, do I look PS3E today? <laughs> Is something off? Something off about me? Yeah. Do I have an unrendered forehead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uncanny, uncanny Valley, Steven. Yeah. If somebody looks at my back in a mirror, is it rendered or is it just gone? <laughs> Am I just see-through? Can you see my wireframes today? Oh, my God. <laughs> PS3E. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's Judgment. I am really liking it, um, having never played the Yakuza games before. And um, yeah, recommended. Is it a PS4 exclusive? I have no idea, honestly. Let me... Look, I have the I have the Wikipedia page open right now. Oh, perfect. Uh, yes, it is. Interesting. We haven't talked about a PS4 exclusive in what feels like eight years. Yeah, well, we're gonna talk about two today. Yeah. <gasps> That's right. Uh, speaking of which, we're gonna take a break. Goodbye. Oh yeah, goodbye. We're gonna take a break. Hey, Steven, we're back from the break, and uh, there was a discussion in our Discord, uh, which, by the way, you can join by going to bit.ly slash TWG Discord. Link is in the show notes. Uh, there was a discussion in our Discord recently that you wanted to bring up and talk about. Yeah, yeah. it was actually encouraged for us to talk about it uh, from people in the Discord, too, which was cool. But it was a really interesting discussion. Something I think we've touched on. It's certainly something that I think about quite a bit and might be fun to explore together. Let's do it. Scoot in the Discord. Uh, Scout, hello. Thank you for bringing up this this wonderful point. They wrote in the Discord. I'm just going to read it verbatim here. Discussion topic for the group. How do you feel when people call games bad, but really just me and not for me? I had a friend tonight call Twilight Princess a bad game. Also, just hot take right off the bat, um, but that's besides <laughs> the point. I had a friend tonight call Twilight Princess a bad game. When I told them I didn't think it was fair to call it bad just because they didn't enjoy it, they said... Well, me calling it a bad game is just an opinion. Do you think bad and good are totally subjective terms? Or do you think there's a scale of quality to games that can be cited objectively? And then in parentheses, personally, I'm always trying to discuss specifics about why I like or dislike a game. Aspects are bad, but it leaves a nasty taste in my mouth to whole cloth call things bad, unless specifically there's evidence that it, period, is, period, bad. And a lot of people talked about that afterwards, myself included. I think it's a really good discussion to have like about all media, really. Yeah, um, totally. And and I think I don't think there's any like declarative. I certainly don't think I have any kind of declarative like thing to say about it, because even opinions on this point are subjective. So like there's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah. It's, a big, it's we, a big thing to tackle, yeah. Yeah, nor are we like the Inquisitors to be like, this is how you call games good, <laughs> you know? But I thought it'd be fun to discuss. So I can I can recite the spark notes of what I wrote and sort of what I think about this discussion, but I would also love to hear what you think. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm just hearing all of this and kind of ingesting it. Um, I'm interested in, in your take on it first while I kind of like okay. yeah, digest. Yeah. So I, I, I wrote kind of a more fully thought out paragraph in the discord but my thing is like my main thesis is like when you're when you're talking about a game's quality especially like 
because it is subjective. I think it's more about citing your experience than about the game as a whole. Mm, yeah. First and foremost, I think saying, <laughs> I think in the case where someone says, I think this is bad and because it's my opinion, I can say that this is objectively bad. It's kind of like a rough thing to do right, because yeah. it's it's all subjective. So like, there's nothing wrong with saying, I think Twilight Princess is a bad game, other than the fact that you're kind of diminishing someone else's experience with it. Right. If I sat here and said, Brendan, I think that uh, Hanson is an awful band, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't. I love Hanson. Uh, <laughs> at least I, I don't know. I don't really feel much about Hanson, but I'm using them as an example. Sure. I said, like, they're an awful band because I think they're awful. That's just kind of, like, rude (laughs) to, like, really just be as, like, straightforward as possible. But I think it's, I think then it it does bring up the point of, like, well, what what qualifies into something being good or bad? So my my thesis is that there are two, to make it as simple as possible for me, I think there are two moving parts. There is, when people made this game, what was their intention? What was the intended experience? And how successfully did they get there? Mm -hmm. And that that's also like you can have subsections of that infinitely be it mechanically musically whatever what was the intention what was the intended experience and how successfully do you think they got there and then there was what was your personal experience with the game Mm. people brought up steep actually and this were like oh wow you you don't think steep is an especially interesting intended experience but the experience you had with it was wonderful yeah absolutely I have often brought up at Final Fantasy VII, like, I think that that game mechanically has not aged super well, but I can't deny my associations and experience with it. I think it's great. And I think uh, something I wrote about in the Discord, too, is, like, when I especially love games, it is very sensitive to when in my life I am discovering them. Mm, Like, I played, I mentioned Celeste, and, like, I played Celeste at, like, a very stressful time in my life where I like needed a game that was about having anxiety. Yeah. I think I always would have loved that game, but I think like I especially loved it. Like I needed it when I, when I played it and it was like put on a pedestal for me in my head. Mm. So I think I don't want to tell anyone how to talk critically about anything, but I think it's probably a good practice across the board to when you're saying whether or not you like something, I think it's worth saying, like, I didn't like my experience with it versus, like, I think this is objectively bad. Unless you very much do. There are things that are not good. Yeah, um, I was just about to say, so, like, like I, I think, first of all, if you're going to call something bad, there has to be some kind of qualifier there, right? There has to yeah. you, you have to, like, you can't just say that whole cloth without any reasoning behind it. But at the same time, like, the word bad to me, even, like, not to get semantic about it, but here we are. I mean, we're having this conversation, so whatever. Like, the word bad to me almost implies more of, like, like problematic shit than anything else. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. like... And that was discussed later on. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I feel yeah. like... um like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a great example where like I put that game down because like there is some bad shit in there. Like yeah. the the character designs are like really off-putting and and I could not really deal with it and I didn't feel good about playing it, so I stopped. And like do I think Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a bad game? No. Do I think that there are some bad elements in it? Absolutely. Um yeah. I just binge-watched all of Neon Genesis Evangelion recently, and I think most people who love that show would agree that there is some bad like heinous shit in there uh, that you need to overlook to <laughs> yeah. get to like the deeper 
thing. And and that boils down to like, and this is also discussed in the Discord of like, when there is something kind of off-putting or problematic, it's sort of like the inverse of what we just discussed, where it's like, if if for someone out there, there is a piece of a piece of media that is so kind of off-putting or problematic to that person that they drop it, that's like completely justifiable. Yeah. You don't want to argue again. And, and, and I think that's what it boils down to is like, you don't want to deny the experience someone else had with something. Right. That's kind of that's kind of my thesis where it's like if if <laughs> if someone played Twilight Princess, which is like one of those wholesome experiences you could have, <laughs> and said it was bad, like okay, cool, that was your experience with it, but don't deny someone else is there. It's the same thing if if you play a game that has some like really heinous shit in it that that is enough to like make you bounce. That you also don't want to tell someone that they that they shouldn't have done that because like it's it's someone's experience. Yeah. No, I I completely agree with you. Yeah. I I have a Here's a really like specific example, and this isn't for games, this is for movies, but um, I don't know if I ever talked about this on the show, but I went to film school very briefly, and I worked on a lot mm-hmm. of film sets uh, during that time. We had to work on one film set per, sem- per semester, and I was like, what if I did all of them? Could I work on all of them? And the professor was like, yeah, you could do that. So <laughs> yeah. I worked on every film set I could for six months, essentially. And in that time, I learned a lot about how movies get made, like from a technical standpoint. So ever since then, whenever I sit down to watch a movie, I always start when I sit down thinking about how the thing is made. Like I always am watching like, okay, it's really interesting, like how they lit this scene, like the blocking is really interesting, stuff like that. Like that's that's what's running through my head. I know a movie is good to me personally when I stop thinking about that stuff. When yeah. when all of when every disparate element of how a movie comes together fades away and I'm just like engrossed in the story and it all kind of like locks in place is when I know that a thing is at least like good to me. Yeah. And and like to just boil it down to the most like bare bones shit, I use this app Letterboxd to to uh, not rank, but like just keep track of every movie I watch, and they let you rate every movie out of a five star system. So for me, if a if a movie hits three stars, that means I stopped thinking about how it was made. If it's under three stars, that means that I would, like maybe some parts of it were good, maybe some were like not like didn't super work for me. But if it's under three stars, that means that like there were a lot of moments where I was like, wow, this is like really not working for me. Like the script isn't working. Like it's it's like the the costume design is strange. Like stuff like that. If it gets over three stars, that means like the intended reason the film was made like locked into place and anything over three stars is like it became exceptional after that yeah and like that's that's a very like kind of nuts and bolts way of like ranking movies for me like when when it gets over three stars is when it becomes like completely subjective to me it's like just what do i like what do i not like but like that's how that's how i think about movies and i don't really have that for games as much so it's a little bit more difficult for me twilight princess for example is the first zelda game i ever played i it was the first mm. Uh, it was the first console I ever like saved up money and bought for myself uh, was, was the Wii. Zelda was the first game I bought for it because I had just always heard that the Zelda games were incredible. And then I started playing Twilight Princess and I played the whole thing. I, I did everything you could do in that game. I got 100%. Like I did every single thing, got every collectible, finished the whole thing, loved it, loved it. All the it. bugs. All the bugs. I got all the oh, bugs. Yeah. I got all the secret chests. I, I did everything. So like Scout, I have a really strong attachment to that game. Like that, like that really, that game means a lot to me. Uh, and every Zelda game that I've played since then gets compared to Twilight Princess and not like the other way around. It's not like I'm, yeah. I'm not comparing everything to Ocarina the way some people are because uh, I right. didn't have that experience when I was younger. So I, th- I think like the idea of good and bad is so 
so subjective that it needs to be qualified at all times. Does that mean you have to like, do I have to launch into how I rate things out of five stars every time I watch a movie and like explain my six months at film school and explain, you know, the the like blocking and stuff like, like, I don't need to talk about that every single time. But if I'm calling something bad, I better have a good reason for it, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I I think... as I talk about this with you, I think you just don't want to deny someone else's experience. Right. You know, I think the same way if someone didn't like something, you don't want to force them like, oh, you have to give it more time because you have to like it because I did. Like That's also oddly even grosser in a way. Yeah. So, yeah, just like chill out and enjoy things. Just you be, know, Just be cool. Just be cool. Uh, it, it, this does become like, hey, just don't be rude after, <laughs> after a while. Yeah. What do you mean you don't like it? Um, that was scary. I don't do that dragon roar too often on this show. Yeah. Probably for a reason, because Audacity just actually put out a warrant for my arrest. It looks like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get out of here. Yeah, let's, let's move on. Hey, just... Be cool, stay nautical, stay fresh. Also, thank you, Scout. Thank you, everyone who engaged in that discussion last night. Uh, yeah. So it was a really, it was, that was a really neat thing. And that's, I think, why the Discord is so lovely because we can talk about stuff like that and not have to talk about it like after the fact because like someone did that. You know what I mean? Like right. we're proactively having these discussions on like how to appropriately talk about something that's critical. Also, I say this a lot, but like we don't like, we talk about, Obviously, this podcast is about video games and about games we like, but uh-huh. like we don't think we're not trying to like set any official rating of our own, like yeah. at all. Like we're we're just we are just sharing our experience with it, and that's like really it. I don't I don't think either of us hold our opinion on any kind of pedestal. No, no, um, neither you or I are like any kind of professional <laughs> in that sense. <laughs> if you haven't gathered that already in the forty nine <laughs> episodes, Brendan and I are not professional. No. Uh, well, yeah, being we're being a little uh, joking. We take this very seriously. Ben and I are actually both in tuxedos right now. Yeah, you got to dress for the job episode. you want, you know. <laughs> I'm ben dressed as record. someone lying in a coffin. <laughs> Brendan and I both <laughs> wear tuxedos and lie wake adjacent on the floor while we record this podcast <laughs> with our hands folded across our chest. Uh-huh. I always freak myself out when I fall asleep like that. Does that happen to you? Like you fall asleep like as if it's your wake? Yes. Yeah, I, ha- I, I have that. in the past. Yeah. Anyway, what a dark turn. Let's get out of here and go to the next segment. <laughs> Let's escape from this. Goodbye. Hey, Brendan. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, funny running into you here. What a coincidence. Weird. Hey, I've been playing Sekiro again. Yes. Um, as evidenced by our streams, which have been fun. Thank you all for uh, for joining me on my adventure back into hell. I meant to mention that earlier. We've been streaming like a lot more, (laughs) mainly because like I I figured out how to stream the Switch. Finally, Uh, I got like all of my old hardware up and running that I bought for like streaming the PS3 and Xbox 360, which is great. So now I've been streaming the Switch, which is cool. And Steven has been streaming. Sekiro as he's been getting back into it also which has been really fun so you can go to twitch.tv slash into the cast and watch our streams and we also tweet about it whenever we are going to do that so yeah yeah my, my whole thing was like I literally the only video games I played this week have been when I stream Sekiro yeah. so like I, I just am sort of like well if I'm gonna play Sekiro I might as well be streaming it if I'm up to it yeah like absolutely so that's kind of what I've been doing, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really great revisiting that game. I took so that game came out in March, I believe. So like almost four months ago, played it a bunch when it came out. Streamed it with you. Mm-hmm. Got to like the halfway point and took a very long and well deserved break. 
Yeah. That is always what happens to me with these types of games where I get really sucked in and then I'm like, I need to not even think about this experience for six months because yeah. like it's it's a lot. I get it. I mean, that game is so, I mean, it's great, but it's stressful. Like it, it's, it yeah. really builds up the anxiety. And I, 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 I've learned that I play it more when it's in the morning. Like we actually might stream it after the recording. Yeah. Which is should be fun but i can play that game in the morning i cannot play that game like after work mm. like i do not want that after work yeah i get that so so i've been getting back into it and i just have doubled down on it being my favorite uh talk about calling things good or bad it's canonically my favorite from a software game i think so <laughs> i think it's my favorite yeah do we want to put a spoiler warning on this conversation before we get further into it or do you do you think we yeah. can avoid that what do you think? I think we can say spoiler alert. Okay. Because we're gonna. I think uh, also spoiler alert for the streams because like a lot of heavy lore happens in those <laughs> in yeah. those moments. Which you I'm yeah glad, your yeah. your two hour stream the other day was like a third of the story. It's <laughs> like amazing. <laughs> it was like the only cutscenes that are in the game and like half me drinking sake with the with the sculptor, <laughs> which is emblematic of how I play this game. Yeah. But that's and that that's kind of I think the reason why I think it's my favorite. So we go into this a bit more in depth in the Sekiro episode, Love and Daunt, I believe it's called. Yes. And that episode is also like a lot of first impressions. So now you're farther than I am. You're pretty much at the end of the game. I am at the end of the game. Yeah. I got to the end and I did not, I did not beat the last boss, um, but I, uh, I sure did get there. (laughs) <laughs> i'll probably revisit to? it i'm thinking about yeah. I'm, honestly i'm thinking about starting the game over because i don't know we we did a stream um a couple months ago around when the game came out when you had started playing it where i just tried to see how far i could get in two hours having already played a lot of the game and i was able to like fly through it yeah yeah so i might i might just start over from the beginning and just like kind of rip my way through that game and get to the end again it's uh, a it's anyway. a game that actually does get easier we've talked about this off the show but like because originally we were like this feels like the hardest from software game yeah and it arguably is but i think it's harder i think if you are more well versed in the like Soulsborne style because yes. it's very different once you kind of get into the rhythm of like how they want you to play that game it it feels like a lot more attainable as you go through it and as you get more abilities and stuff yeah yeah it just it demands more of you in in the sense that it is asking you to play one specific way yeah which is a thing again we talked about a lot in that other episode but like worth worth reiterating like that's where the difficulty comes from i think in this game but i think what i like about these games is the talk about with uh judgment like the world in it like the every every from software game has such a mysterious and fascinating worlds to it Mm -hmm. you know dark souls and bloodborne are known for being like way more cryptic about like what is going on and you know i'm actually might go through each of them because i kind of have like bullet points on what i think each setting is trying to go for but with dark souls we had the benefit of having three games in that world so like i think by proxy we know more about that world because of how much like media has been made about it yeah just a lot of lore videos on youtube com right but even independent of that like just the games themselves like you see characters more than once and like yes all that kind of stuff but i i've mentioned this before but with dark souls i always have this feeling when one i've only played one and three but in both games you get a sense that the major events have already happened like i never forget in dark souls one the opening cutscene is gods and dragons fighting in this mm-hmm. like climactic thing and then it cuts to 
a jail cell like full of moss and you're in it yeah <laughs> and it's like it's like it's again almost slathered like, in barbecue sauce like <laughs> yeah. yeah it's almost as if these world defining events have already taken place and you are now crawling through like the remains of this world picking up the pieces yeah and setting the stage for what will happen next so it's really interesting, especially Dark Souls 1, it's like you're really the bridge between two of the actual stories. Like you're just sort of in this purgatory mm-hmm. of narrative where the only story you're getting are from the item descriptions and from cryptic riddles from NPCs and, <laughs> and you know, atmospherically. There's a lot of like statues that suggest like, oh, what, what once happened here? Right. What was this place designed for and what is it now? You get a lot of that. Yeah. Especially in Bloodborne where Bloodborne is a game about about like the decay of society as it tries to evolve itself too quickly. Right. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think both the Souls games and Bloodborne are so interesting from like the NPC standpoint where they are so like wrapped up in despair that they think that nothing can change and like there's no way that they can escape the fate that they've been handed. Like they just like were given this this card and it's like, well, I can only play this card and that's all I can do. And, and you as a protagonist <clears throat> are kind of like trying to defy that um, against all odds. And that, that's, I think, kind of an interesting, it's an interesting thematic thing to do in a game that is so about dying over and over and over and over and over again you know yeah. uh, the, in the quest for success it's it's kind of fitting that the only character that's like constantly there for you in Bloodborne is the doll and even they are kind of like not really like they are also kind of cryptic yeah well that's br- their job that's the thing yeah like, like they they are still like resigned to the fact that they have to help you you know yeah so it's like a very solitary experience and you know very few characters feel like they're in the same place as you even it's really and never mind that bloodborne is also like implied just to be one long nightmare like there's like a lot of like you know it's like there's a lot of not even trusting your own experience so that game is like even more solitary and and like slow burn than dark souls there's like two cutscenes that entire game one is seeing a red moon and like a person in a bloody wedding dress and the other one is garamond whispering a password like literally that's it (laughs) yeah but i've always enjoyed that and i've always been left hungry wanting more sekiro has strikingly a way more concrete actual linear narrative in the game yeah. You are the protagonist. You are given a very clear sense of purpose right away. And the thing that really blows me away, and I think this is why it's my favorite, and I don't think, going back to our earlier conversation, I don't think this is objectively better, but I think it pays off. I think the game pays off having a more attainable, concrete narrative that you are experiencing real time, in addition to all the, the lore around it. Like, you're still not given all the info about, like, what is happening in this world and why, but you're constantly meeting characters who are simply wonderful. Like, I love every NPC in this game. As soon as I think I have a favorite, I meet someone else. Like, there's the person hiding in a basket who (laughs) is just like, if you need anything, I'll be here, but I'm still hiding in a basket, which is great. You've got the carp noble who wants to become a fish. You've got Hanbei, the training dummy who can't die, who we'll get more into. Yeah. And and at the core of it, you you have the sculptor... Wolf, Emma, and Kuro, who are like truly lovable ensemble of main characters. Mm-hmm. And the game like actually gives you sweet moments between them. Like there's a moment that that's also up to you to experience. Yeah. Like there's a moment uh that I that I had on the stream where uh whenever you talk to Kuro, you kneel because he's your master. Yeah. And 
it's like Kuro is asleep and it lets you wake him up or not wake him up. And I'm like, I'm going to let the guy sleep. Like we've been through a lot. He's trying to sever the realm of immortality. I'm going to let him take a nap. (laughs) Uh, And I didn't wake him, but I kept kneeling and then he woke up and he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I drifted off. Like, you know, you could have wakened me. And Wolf is like, I never, is like, is like not a chance or something like that. Yeah. 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 It's like a really tender moment with someone who is like, usually shows zero emotion. Yeah. The dialogue is just really wonderful. And like you, you find items that are sake that you can share with a variety of characters and you get, you get a moment with them where they share a little bit more about themselves. Mm-hmm. There was a really cool moment with Emma on the stream where she was drinking the unrefined sake from Lord Ishin. Yeah. Classic. And uh, Wolf is like point blank. Like, so who trained you how to use a sword? And she's like, kind of like, what are you talking about? And then eventually she's like, Lord Ishin. Yeah. And he's like, why do you, a physician whose clear purpose is to stop dragon rot, like want to be like a swords person or want to be, you know, trained in that way. And she's like, I would kill a demon if I had to. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I would never kill a person though, which I feel like is really interesting foreshadowing potentially. (laughs) I do know a little bit. This is spoiler. I, I think you know it too. There is a choice eventually in the game. I haven't gone to it yet, but there is a choice where Al, your father in heavy quotes, shows up. Yes. Uh, presume he had been presumed dead. Right. But he shows you up. You play through and- a memory about, th- uh, I think, three years prior to when the main story takes place, in which you see him in like a burned down castle. Like I'm done for. Like I'm gonna die here. Uh, yeah. And go on without me and whatever. And that's when you go fight Lady Butterfly and a bunch of other things. But yeah, like you you and- assume that he has died there. And Kuro, uh, excuse me, Sekiro begins. Like the first cutscene is like you, Wolf, as like a kid. In this field, this like war-torn battlefield, and Al stumbles across you and is like, I'm just gonna take you with me, basically. Yeah. It's like a very sinister moment. Like you yeah. you like it's not like overtly so, but like you get you get it, it's strongly implied that this guy probably killed your actual family and is now just like taking you as his ward. Mm-hmm. And it said right in the beginning, he's like, You owe your loyalty to me and then Kuro, basically. Yeah. In or that something order, like specifically. And that, yeah. that order. So when he's presumed dead, you devote the rest of your life to Kuro, your master. So Al shows back up and you're given a choice to betray Emma and Kuro for Al. In that case, you do have to. It's a really cool cutscene because Emma is so like rad in it where she just shows up like ready to kill you. And that conversation of her being like, I would kill a demon if I had to, is about you if you choose to be evil. Yeah, you are an undying Shinobi warrior. Like you are a demon in that case, (laughs) you know? Right. And like, I'm actually getting chills at the thought of betraying Kuro because I'm like, how dare they give me that option? Like, absolutely not. No. But if you do that, I think you actually become a demon. It's like the bad ending. But if you side with Kuro, you then fight Al, and I don't know what happens next. But that that moment was spoiled for me because like I I googled something and I just saw the cutscene, but uh. which was kind of a bummer. But I am still really excited for it to play out. Yes. But just th- those kind of moments are what I'm highlighting, where I'm like, this game has like if you want to get like knee deep in the lore and figure out like who the who the monkeys with guns are in the for- in the fortress, <laughs> why are there a bunch of ghosts that are dogs in the forest? Why uh, similar to Bloodborne, there's this like mortal quest for immortality that is clearly turning people into demons. Yeah. But then you learn about the reasons why. You have a character like Wolf who you play as who's like, I am using my immortality that has been given to me to help my master make sure no one else goes down this path. Yeah. Which is like the good 
path. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. And you meet a lot of characters along the way who have like different feelings about that. You have uh, the villain who who's kind of a tragic villain, Genichiro Ashina, who is like just desperately clawing on to the last semblance of civilization that exists. And when you fight him and he's resurrected in a fucking lightning and thunderstorm, which is so cool. Yeah. Just even though it's a horrific moment, he's just like, I will do like I will hang on by any thread to make sure that Ashina still stands. Mm-hmm. But he still respects Kuro and like yeah. has has some semblance of honor left with him, uh, even though he has clearly gone down the demonic path. And I think having those moments firsthand, in addition to having the moments that have already happened, make the story of this game so much more exciting to me. Like, it is so much more... I, I just have had my jaw drop on the floor in so many moments of this game. And like, it sounds corny. Like, it, that has become a cliche, but like, literally on the edge of my seat, jaw dropped, like, heart out on the table... Yeah. When I'm playing this game. Yeah, I th- I think there's there was no greater moment like that for me in this game than the first official boss battle when you're in that like very wide open battlefield space and uh the the like general who is in charge of like keep making sure the gate is closed so nobody can get into the castle comes oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah. And he doesn't give a shit who you are. He's like I have one job and I'm going to fuck you up. Like that's the, like that's his one thing. Like if you had the opportunity to talk to him, things might have gone differently. But he's so steadfast in his belief that he's like anybody who shows up here is here for malicious reasons and I need to make sure that this person doesn't get through. Yeah, and and, and, and that being yeah, keep going. Sorry. I, I just think like that that is what FromSoft is so good at illustrating in its story and and wrapping that up in an actual narrative, I think like just really makes that moment even stronger than it would be in a Bloodborne or in a Dark Souls because you have all of this actual real context, not just reading item descriptions, not just hearing whispers from somebody behind a tree that you never get to see. <laughs> but like you you've seen actual cutscenes and talked to actual people and it and it brings you to this point where you already know he's there before you get there. Like you're keenly aware of who he is and what his purpose is and that he's going to try and fight you and that there's nothing that you can do about it and you have to kill him and you just have to kill him and that's that's how that scene plays out i i found that really really powerful and that's just one of many 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 moments like that yeah I, I mean, the fact that that fight ends, first of all, during that fight, the music theme, the menu music plays, which is like my favorite song in the game. It's so yeah riveting. And when you kill him, Wolf is like, I'm sorry, like, forgive me. Yes. Uh, yeah. And like, it is such a cool, it is such a cool moment. And we get, like you said, we get that firsthand. The yeah. same thing too, like not having every boss just be like a big, bigger and bigger demon that's harder and harder, <laughs> but having these bosses, yeah. like on the stream, I fought the, uh, the monkeys. Oh, They're the folding like, screen monkeys, yeah. The folding screen monkeys. There are four monkey spirits. When you see them, one of them like sees you're there and like shrieks and runs away from you. Mm-hmm. And that whole boss in heavy quotes is actually just trying to find and like outrun these monkeys who are who are running away from you. They're, they they send apparitions after you, but like yeah, the the main difficulty of that fight is finding all of them. And then when you finally defeat them, like I had a sense of guilt like initially about this fight. And then when you defeat them on the folding screen, you see all of them like kind of looking embarrassed. Like yeah. the kind of see no evil, hear no evil poses. Mm-hmm. And a voice from beyond is like, forgive them. Like they're just trying to keep me safe. Yeah. And like that is like so to have the stakes not always be this is going to be a bigger demon covered in barbecue sauce. But to have like <laughs> boss fights that are that are framed in that way is is so 
rewarding. Yeah. And and again, like it's not even like you had this in place of all the cryptic stuff. You still get that. Like you still yes, that's get, the point I was about to make. Yeah, it's yeah. it's there for you if you want to invest in it, but it's not the only thing you're getting, which I think is a very important distinction. And I don't know, I just find the world really like I, I find subjectively the world of Sekiro and the world of Bloodborne more interesting than sort of like the kind of vanilla fantasy of Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Like there's still a lot of really interesting things happening in, in the Dark Souls and a lot of great characters, but like it is more like dragons and knights and stuff and not like, you know, top hat uh <laughs> barbecue sauce hell or, yeah. you know, like uh Japanese folklore and stuff. Yeah. You like that? Yeah, I'm just thinking uh, I'm hat. I'm I'm just thinking about how I can turn Top Hat Barbecue Hell into the cover art for this week's episode. <laughs> Um, I, I think to, yeah, I think to pull perfect. back and just like speak a little bit more broadly, we've talked about this in the past, maybe with the first Sekiro episode, but Miyazaki, the lead designer on all of these games at FromSoft, has gone on record as talking about like, I'm not very good at storytelling, is what he says. He's like, I the reason that all of the lore is told through item descriptions is because I'm good at writing lore and I'm not good at writing like an overarching narrative. And Sekiro is so... Is so the opposite of that. Like it is, it's so strong, um, and every character is so well developed and so interesting. And like it is pared back a little bit. It is obfuscated just a little bit. But that's more to keep you intrigued and keep like some kind of mystery pulling you through the rest of it. So I almost see this game weirdly as like the uh, link between worlds. To Breath of the Wild jump. Like this game might be the link between worlds of From Software, where the Breath of the Wild might end up being Elden Ring, that game that they're working on with George R. R. Martin from yeah. Game of Thrones, or who wrote the Game of Thrones series. Um, like that could be the payoff for like Sekiro experimenting with like telling a straightforward narrative with the From Software structure. You know, yeah. we don't know anything about Elden Ring outside of the fact that it's a game that exists and those are the people working on it. But like that, this game to me indicates that like the people kind of running the show at FromSoft are more interested in telling like real ass stories inside of the the structure that they've built over the years and inside of the the mechanic like trapping that they've kind of created for themselves. And this as a first attempt at that is extremely strong it is yeah really well i mean done. there's a, there's a reality where we could have just gotten like a new dark souls game every couple of years yeah which like probably would have been fine but you know like the fact that we got sekiro instead of bloodborne 2 which don't get me wrong i would love a bloodborne oh, yeah, 2 same. but i think like there it's it's sort of like the idea uh that pixar once embodied of like not doing sequels unless they like felt very strongly one way yes. or the other which i think they still embodied i mean we don't have to get into a pixar conversation but like <laughs> you know cars 3 being the notable exception hey cars 3 is no dark souls 3 am i right <laughs> hey uh yeah i yeah say what we will about pixar i feel like that well, maybe let's not get it to Pixar, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm just saying that like across the board, not even just singling any one group of people out uh, creatively, like it's nice to see new ideas instead of sequels. Yeah. Even good sequels. Right. You know, it's just nice to see something like Sekiro because I didn't even know I wanted Sekiro until it existed. Yeah, this is an industry that's so preoccupied with like, okay, what works now? Like, how do you build that out into a franchise that like seeing any new IP ever is kind of a treat um, and having it be from a studio like this trying something very new in the same realm as the things that you love from them, I think is really 
powerful and interesting and cool. Uh, it's kind of why I love Apex Legends so much. It's like Titanfall yeah. is such a great series, and to just like make a completely new game with a lot of the stuff that you love from Titanfall is is awesome. It's really it's a cool idea, and and it super paid off for them clearly. And same with Sekiro. Yeah, yeah. I just I just wanted to once again revisit it and highlight how much I love that game. I also think I'd recommend it. Like initially when we talked about it at first, there was this notion that we both felt like it was simultaneously the best and worst from soft game to start with yeah i I think i would still recommend if you're going to play one i think play sekiro i still feel that Mm. way because i think it just it just feels like they all have very different ambitions even internally despite sharing so many familiar elements but i think that just with with the narrative being the way it is and with the like the game being structured the way it is they do set you up to succeed in ways the other games don't i actually laughed out loud when i saw like a tutorial menu open up i'm like you're telling me how to play yeah, this okay incredible. yeah given it's like right before the moment you need to know that move perfectly and then you're gonna get killed but like <laughs> yeah i've noticed like even with our group of friends like we've had friends who never really got into bloodborne or dark souls but did get into sekiro yes. and i think it's because like there's a bit of a slow burn of like letting you learn the mechanics having traveling around the world be pretty painless like there's a lot of cool secrets to find and it, it rewards exploration but there are there are sculpted idols at every like place you need them to Mm -hmm. be and i think that that just pays off i get that like people sometimes like the labyrinthian metroidvania design of the dark souls one world and like i don't know if there's as many intertwining paths that eventually loop back to other areas that's all really cool but like honestly it stresses me out sometimes like i get lost so easily Mm -hmm. and like sometimes i just forget where i am and like i don't want to do that like i I actually really enjoy and and i wouldn't even i wouldn't even argue that sekiro's world is linear in any way because there's so much new verticality with where you can explore and i always forget that you can swim and sometimes i just fall into a river and end up somewhere new and i meet someone who wants to become a fish and yeah. it's great uh, <laughs> so i think i would i would actually feel a lot more confident being like if you haven't played any of these games like check out sekiro because i think it's truly it's truly wonderful in ways that i think even surpass the other games in this library yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, you know, that that is with a heavy asterisk, like if if you have a PS4, that is the move. Yeah. That's true. It's a PS4 exclusive. Yeah. Uh but I I think I'm with you. I think my my old recommendation used to be Bloodborne, but I think it might be Sekiro now. I think you're right. Because again, like there's it is linear mechanically in that they there's just the one way to play it. Whereas Bloodborne like has a lot more nuance in its fighting styles and mechanics and equipment and stuff like that but doing away with all of that makes for a stronger game i think in sekiro um yeah and that is that is a very subjective opinion i know that some people like vehemently feel the opposite about it i mean i, I actually like like the thing the thing with dark souls bloodborne and sekiro is like sekiro wants you to play it one specific yeah. way and there's a lot of variety within that too and you also get like different skills and you can get different prosthetics like there is customization within that but you know you're gonna you're gonna get the groove of certain mechanics bloodborne lets you kind of choose between like three different styles there's like strength weapons dexterity weapons and like arcane stuff you're still gonna be like ducking and dodging a lot (laughs) ducking and dodging but you know they ducking and dodging but that's sort of the three and then dark souls like sky's the limit if you want to be wearing a statue and wielding a statue you can (laughs) like Uh some of the some of the strength builds in that game are like you just have a club that like once was a city and you swing that uh So I I actually do, as an RPG fan, I do like the amount of customization that Dark Souls allows for. By extension of that, someone newer to the series might feel like totally lost. Like, what do I invest in? Like, I have 
20 stats uh <laughs> yeah you know i don't know i don't know what style i'm going to prefer before i've experienced that so yeah but they all have their own goals i just think sekiro is is wonderful yeah, i agree for me yeah do you yeah, want to wrap I think up we should. i think we should wrap up uh thanks always thanks always goodbye <laughs> that's it thank you as always for listening it means a lot if you like the show leaving a review is super helpful on apple podcasts rate out of five stars what you see fit leaving a review writing a review is also great it does actually directly help the show sharing it is also the best way honestly and and just listening to it every week as many of you do as many of you tweet at us about like it, it's just always humbling and we're very grateful for that and you can follow us on twitter at into the cast uh, our twitch handle is the same i don't even know if it's called the twitch handle i don't think it is but our twitch name is at <laughs> it's the, i'll let you do the twitch stuff you're like nodding at me like a like stage mom like no no no, no smile no, 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 no. i was telling uh, you that you're doing a good job yeah Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm very new to Twitch. The Twitch. Into the cast. Same as Twitter. We have a Discord. Uh, the link is in the show notes. And yeah, thank you for everything. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Thank you to AJ Filario, our producer, for doing the show. Thank you to everyone every week. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, Goodbye. actually, uh, worth noting, I'll put this in the, <laughs> in the show notes also, but we just... Uh, made a youtube account where all of the vods from our twitch streams are going to live uh so you can watch that stuff on youtube if that is your preferred viewing platform yes. anyway that's that's pretty much it I, I guess worth mentioning if there's like another platform that you wish we were on that we're not on i guess let us know i can't think yeah. of anything off the top of my head like do you want us to have an instagram i don't even know what we would do there but like we could do that so I, <laughs> just a collection of all your episodes maybe I, I don't know we do that fun. with no script like that's that's maybe a thing yeah. but um anyway besides all that thank you so much to everybody who listens this show is constantly cool to make uh and we like doing it yes my name is brendan bigley you can find me on the internet at brendan bigley i'm stephen hilger you can find me at stephen hilger have a wonderful goodbye have a good week everyone see ya later Garbage dot online.